I'm Colin. And I'm Megan. And this is Pet Sitter Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back. I hope your week has been wonderful. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Heidi Lewis, owner of Heidi and Hope Pet Services out of Naples, Florida this week. On today's episode, she talks about how COVID-19 has impacted her business and the rest of the industry in Naples. She also talks about her backstory and where her passion for pets came from, as well as how she's been able to grow her business after moving to a brand new area. We ended our discussion with Heidi giving us a ton of her favorite resources for her business that have helped her be so successful. Now let's get started. I really appreciate you having me on. You guys are awesome. So I feel really honored to be interviewed by you today. I've got to ask Heidi and Hope Pet Services, where did that name come from? So Hope is actually my dog. I have a Welsh Corgi and her name is Hope. Um, My family has pretty much grown up with Corgis their whole lives. And I had another Corgi growing up and um, she passed away pretty suddenly when I was in college. Mm. And it was pretty devastating. Um, She was kind of kind of went in the hospital and then within like a 24 hour period, she was gone. Um, So my family was pretty pretty devastated. And shortly after we started looking at possibly getting another Corgi pup and that's what we did. And I got to choose her and name her. And I named her Hope because that's exactly what she was doing for our family. She was bringing Hope back in our family after a devastating loss. And um, that's, she's pretty much my best friend now. And it makes sense for her to be my business partner too. So. Yeah. yeah, I think there are some really adorable photos of you too on your website that you oh, have together. So. <laughs> <laughs> She's my little peanut. <laughs> yeah, they're just so cute. I love I love corgis. <laughs> we've yeah. we've never we sat I sat one tur- one uh, corgi one time and his name was Turtle and oh, I've I've been oh in love gosh. ever since. Yeah, I was. <laughs> they're a very unique breed, and uh, you know, people that have corgis, we're pretty. We I say we're crazy corgi people because we really enjoy corgis. Usually, we have like a ton of corgi stuff in our house. We just we we love corgis. We love the little legs. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's true. You can always there's there's usually there's like the rest of the dog people and then those corgi people. They tend to be yes. one notch or two above where the rest <laughs> of us are. So no, that's yes. good. So. A part of that is, you know, you've said you've, your family had corgis growing up from for a long time. So as part of that, I was also curious where your passion for your animals and for pet care comes from. Yeah. So I grew up with a lot of animals. My family and my parents, especially, they were very nice in letting my sister and I kind of have different unique pets besides you know, just dogs. We had a rabbit. We had fish at several points. We even had a hermit crab at one point. Um, My sister and I were going through our little mermaid phase. So we had a hermit crab named Sebastian. Um, Unfortunately, he didn't make it uh, very long, but (laughs) um, we did have a hermit crab. Yeah. So, you know, and all of my family members, my grandparents, they had dogs growing up. So I was just always around animals. So I think Mm. that passion kind of led to wanting to do more. Um, when I was 18, I, um, well, so I'm originally from Ohio and when I was 18, I started working with animals in a professional setting at my local veterinary hospital. Um, and then I went to college and after I graduated, I immediately got a job at a humane society in Columbus. And then I also started working for a pet setting company as well. Uh, this also led to a job at my own personal vet. They had an opening for a reception, a receptionist and a, um, part-time 
uh, veterinary assistant. So I was kind of working in the front and in the back. And then my family and I have been vacationing in Naples my whole life. So even when we were coming down here to Naples, I would volunteer at the Naples Humane Society in the summers with the shelter vet tech. Uh, so at the end of 2016, I decided to move permanently down here and I started my own pet sitting company uh, in May of 2018. Wow. Well, that's quite yeah. the background. And one of the things that really stuck out to me was you would go on vacation and you'd volunteer as a vet yeah. tech. What, what, what spurred that on for you? I just, so I love our Humane Society down here. They also, like, they have all types of pets. There are no kill animal shelter. They do a lot of work in the community. They're um, completely donation based. So they have a lot of volunteers and a lot of people from the community that help out. They originally had me in cat care. So there was one summer I just did cat care. And then once the volunteer manager found out that I had been volunteering at a veterinary hospital, she was like, well, would you be interested in shadowing our shelter vet tech? And I was like, absolutely. So he really got me started and showed me a lot of medical uh, procedures as far as all of these intake coming, all these intake animals coming in, they were rescuing um, from different um, shelter situations and stuff like that. So it was a lot of fun. You know, my parents would go to the beach and on the way, drop me off at the Humane Society and then pick me up on the way home. So it was, <laughs> I, I, I loved it. Like I, I just, I loved it so much. So yeah, no, that that's really unique. And and, and I love, I love that because that just speaks to where you wanted to be, right? You're, mm-hmm. you, you were able to to continue and pursue that passion. And I'm, I'm also curious because I'm, I'm, I'm listening through you're, you're volunteering at a vet hospital, you've you're got experience at, as vet techs and vet physicians. How do those experiences play into the care and services that you provide currently? Yeah, so I specialize, I would say specifically in exotic pets and any kind of pets with special needs or senior pets. It's really given me kind of a background um, with all of like veterinary medicine in general. So if anybody, you know, if anyone needs insulin shots or SQ fluids for their pets, or if their pets going through kidney failure, um, or any kind of, any kind of things like that, I think that's really helpful because owners really like to have someone that's experienced and kind of knows what they're doing is, you know, if they're sticking a needle in your pet. (laughs) Um, I also typically, you know, I have, I can typically see something that uh, like a normal per- person can't. So if something seems kind of off with their pet and, you know, I notice it, I can usually notice it right away. And I can, I'm usually like the designated person to take them to the vet. Usually my, mm. my clients know that I have that background. So if they think I think something's wrong, but like no questions asked, like just run them, run them to the vet as soon as possible. So, um, I think that's really helpful too. Cause I think not only do I know what to look out for, but my clients really trust me. It's like an extra kind of boost in the trust level between my client and I. Absolutely. Especially if they do have a special needs pet or an elderly pet mm-hmm. of the medications, like your, your kind of experience is really needed for that kind of pet care, you know, and that background really lends itself to providing that comfort and, and assurance to, to the pet owner. Yeah. You mentioned you made the move to full-time in 2016. What was it that pushed you to make that switch into full-time care? Well, my parents, they were teachers in Ohio and they decided when they retired, they wanted to move to Naples full-time. And they kind of, we've had like a condo my whole life and they wanted to upgrade to like a little bit bigger place since they were going to be here full-time. And they were actually going to sell the condo that we had been coming down and vacationing in. And I was like, no, you're not. That's the family, you know, that's a family place. And, you know, I've always wanted to live in Naples. That's always been the goal. 
And I really thought this was a great opportunity to kind of, you know, take over the condo that my family used to own and buy it from them. And then they were able to move actually very close um, and upgrade to their townhome. So it was just a good opportunity with everything that was going on to move down here full time. And Naples has really allowed me to grow my business in a short amount of time as well. I don't think I would have been able to do it as quickly as I have if I would have stayed in Ohio. Talk about that a little bit, moving to a new area and starting a brand new business, you know, one that you frequented growing up, but Mm -hmm. didn't live in full time. What was that like? Well, it was kind of helpful because I knew where everything was. And I mean, I didn't know anyone. So that was kind of hard. You know, I kind of moved down here way before my parents did. So I was down here for a few months, just totally on my own and like didn't have a job and was trying to figure out what I wanted to do and try to get adjusted. So it was a little scary. I did know the area, so I knew where I was going. So that wasn't scary, but trying to figure out, you know, what kind of work I wanted to do. Cause I did part, I did pets it just part-time, you know, just something on the side, just privately. And then that person kept referring me to other people. And then those people would start referring me to other people. And it just like turned into this huge thing where I was just getting calls all the time. And I was like, you know, one of my goals has always been to have my own pet sitting business. I never thought I'd be able to do it. And, you know, just getting all of these calls from all these people, it was just like validation to me, like, oh, like maybe this is something I should be doing. So I was able to transition into pet sitting full time and then having finally having my own business. Yeah. No, that's really cool. And to, you know, to, to hear that it just happened kind of unexpectedly almost of like, well, I've got this dream that I've wanted to do eventually. And then to look up all of a sudden go, oh, oh, it's actually right here. I can just go ahead and, and do that. Right? <laughs> right. Like not only do I get to live where I used to vacation, I mean, how many people are able to say that? Yeah. Um, but I'm able to pursue the dream that I've always wanted to do. And I feel like I'm, I'm still, I'm younger. I'm still in my twenties and I've been able to accomplish one of my biggest goals that I've wanted to do. Um, so I'm just super thankful that, and lucky that I was able to move down here and seize that opportunity. What kind of services do you offer currently? So I offer all services in my clients' homes. I don't offer any kind of boarding or anything like that. Um, I also do services for all pets, including exotic pets. Um, Typically, it's short or long visits. And then I also do overnights in clients' homes Mm. and also pet transportation. And I also do offer puppy training classes. Oh, yeah. What What kind of services did you start off offering then? It was mostly just visits, like pop-in visits and then overnights. Like overnights is probably my most popular service. Like everyone wants someone to stay in their home overnight with their pet, um, which I totally understand because I'm the same way when I have to leave my pet. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I think, I think a lot of people are too. How did the puppy training come about? So the puppy training, I just got a lot of experience just working one-on-one with animals in the animal shelters. I used to be in charge of doing the behavioral assessments. So we would um, do a lot of testing for animals before they would go on the adoption floor just to make sure that they were properly socialized. They didn't have any aggression issues. Because um, the last thing we want is for them to get rehomed and then sent back. So right. I would be in charge of that. And I just got a lot of just like my training and everything, just working at different hospitals and a lot of the vets that I worked for would offer behavioral classes and puppy training. So I just have a lot of knowledge just for with puppies in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's a lot of fun too, cause you're kind of, you know, you're starting, that's when you're first starting to show the puppy, like, this is what you want them to do. Mm-hmm. You know, they're always looking towards their owner, you know, it's just a great way to get involved in the start of a dog's life. I love doing it. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it it really is. And it just sets them on such a an amazing trajectory whenever you mm-hmm. get some foundational training and, and behavior in there. And I know when we run across dogs that maybe they're a year old or a year and a half and they haven't done any sort of socialization or basic training commands, all of a sudden it's like, I don't even know where to start with this dog and I've got to care for it for a week or two or something like that. So it's, right. it, it really just makes it so much better. And especially when you're coming from the idea of, I don't want this dog to get back here in the pound, mm-hmm. or I don't want this dog to get, you know, you know, get dropped on the side of a road kind of mentality. Like it is, it is just so essential. And unfortunately, I don't feel like a lot of owners really get that. They just go, Oh, it's a puppy. It's going to be fine. Yeah, I agree. And I, it's those years are, you know, they're super important for socialization, not only with other pets, but with other people Mm -hmm. and, you know, just the socialization part, you know, you want a social dog, you want a dog that's friendly to other animals and other people. So you don't get frustrated when, you know, an accident happens or, you know, something bad happens. It's, it's so important to get all of those foundational things corrected right at from the start. I was wondering what kind of advice you would give to a pet sitter or dog walker that maybe has a dog that has missed out on some of those foundational issues and training. And now they kind of have this dog that doesn't really have those kind of support. How could they work with a puppy maybe that needs um, some training or how could they address that with a client? Absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of, you don't want to approach with a client when you can clearly see there's some issues with the puppy. You don't want to come off accusatory towards the client. It's a very delicate balance of, you know, suggestions versus being too like aggressive with the client because the the client is going to feel guilty and they're already embarrassed that their puppy's not behaving correctly. So you don't want to come in with the mentality of, you know, the, this is what the owner is doing wrong, you know, X, Y, and Z, but it's going in and just like making suggestions, just being very careful, like the word is that you're using and just keeping it positive. And, you know, working, making, distressing the point, the point, how important it is to work with your dog one-on-one and to keep it up every day. Um, I think that's the other problem too, that a lot of owners face is they're really involved in the beginning and then it kind of trickles off. Um, so just like coming at it with an open mind, just be very careful with what you're saying to the client and the advice that you're giving isn't coming off accusatory or like attacking the client. Cause the, you know, like I said, the client's already embarrassed that their dog's not doing what they, they want it to do. So yeah. um, just keeping that in mind when you're kind of showing them and giving them some advice. Right. I, I've, I've, I've found statements such as, have you noticed or right. you know, does it, does, does this bother, you know, maybe even does yeah. this bother you when this happens? And or just does he to, usually just, do this? Yeah. Does, <laughs> yeah. Does he usually do this just to give it yeah. a gauge in a sense, maybe they're not even aware that it happens or, right. or maybe they, they are fine with it, but they don't want, or maybe they're not fine and they don't want to speak up about it. And that's a good foot in the door to go, you know, there are some things that maybe we can work on if that's something mm-hmm. you'd like to do. Like just to, again, cause it is a very sensitive topic sometimes and you, you don't want to offend anybody or make them feel bad. Right. You are in Naples. And so I am yeah. curious about what the market is like. And I think we've got to break that into two parts of a question is pre and post COVID. So, right. So, <laughs> Pre-COVID, uh, Naples is a vacation town and is typically a wealthy city. Um, November through May is typically the busiest time for Naples. Um, people who are visiting here are on vacations or they typically have multiple homes and are here for several months out of the year. So business is booming, I would say, between November and May. After that, it, people start you know traveling back up north or you know they don't vacation here in the summers because it is 
extremely hot and extremely humid. So summer is usually kind of the slow time. So uh, COVID kind of came at the worst time possible because I would say like March, April, and May are the busiest times for us. So it was it was kind of came at the worst time, I think, for businesses down here. What did that look like down in, in Naples as far as the is the area reopening or where are this what's the status of businesses? I would say within the past couple of weeks, things have started to open. Restaurants and gyms and everything, they're open now at 100% capacity. Bars just opened on Friday. So I think people are eager to get out and you know they're doing that and things are slowly getting back to normal. Or as normal as they can be. <laughs> right. Whatever whatever that actually is. Yeah, exactly. Did you ever officially close services or did what did that look like? I never officially closed. So pet sitting was seen as essential since pets needed care, you know, for essential workers, they need care for their pets. So we were seen as essential as well as like doggy daycares and things like that. So I never shut down. I may have only had two or three visits a week for a couple of months, but I was open the whole time. I also really pivoted my services since a lot of people obviously weren't traveling and a lot of my full-time clients were working from home. So they no longer needed my services. So I really pivoted my services to try and serve the most amount of people and what the needs were during the time for the community. So I did offer a lot of like errand services. So any kind of grocery shopping, medication pickup, pet transportation, pet supply pickup. I was even offering pooping, scooping services, even light grooming. So even if you know, your pet desperately needed a, a bath and a blow dry and a, and a brush out and a nail trim. I was even doing that. Wow. Yeah, that's that's really great. And and I think we were all in that phase of going, okay, what do I do now? How can I continue to serve and provide care for my clients? And so that idea of going, you know, how about an emergency uh, uh, grooming service, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Just, that's really cool to hear. <laughs> yeah, anything, anything you want me to do, I'm right. here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, since starting your business, I was wondering maybe what's something that you were most surprised by? I guess the most surprising thing was how many people have a like variety of pets, <laughs> what people right. consider pets. Are they, as far as like exotic pets? Yeah. So like that was really surprising because like pets, you wouldn't really normally consider like something you would want in your house if people have that down here, mm. um, which, you know, no judgment or anything. It's It's actually pretty cool. Like for example, I have a client that has a house pig and she's, Aww. she's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I love going over there and taking care of her. I don't know if she likes me very much, but um, you know, it, I can't believe when I got that call, I was like, I'm sorry, you have, you have a, what you have, yeah. you have a pig you want me to take care of that lives in your house. And she was like, yeah. yeah. And she's like litter box trained. And you know, she walks around like a dog. I walk her on a harness you know, she's great. So I guess that was probably, that's probably one of the most surprising things just from starting my business. I'm especially since moving down here, just a lot of people have a lot of different kinds of pets. Yeah. So what is it like caring for such a wide variety of pets? How do you prepare for those visits? Well, a lot of people think that since it's not a dog or a cat, that actually the meet and greet and the information I'm getting isn't going to take as long, or it's not going to be as much information. But if anything, I feel like the meet and greets longer and the instructions for care are a lot more because there's so many mm. things that you have to look out for, especially with sensitive animals like rabbits and hamsters and stuff like that. 
they can stress out really easy. They can overheat really easily. Mm. If they're not eating, that's, you know, an emergency situation. If they're not going to the bathroom within, you know, just a, like a 12 hour period that could, could be considered a emergency situation. So if anything, it's, I am more careful and more cautious with exotic pets because I know they are, mm. t- they have very specific types of care and what their needs are. Um, and their clients are obviously, they want the best person possible that has experience with that kind of pet and trusting them with their pet when they're gone. Um, cause they know that it's, it's hard to leave your pet in general, but I think it's harder when you have an exotic pet that requires a lot of care and makes it even harder. Yeah. I would think that, especially when it comes to dietary needs or feeding regimes, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot more complicated than dogs and dog food generally in some, most cases. Right. And, but it gives me a chance to learn more. Like I may have like a general idea how to care for certain animals, but it gives me a chance to kind of research and read and kind of look up and even consult some of my veterinary friends, you know, just making sure they're, you know, I have everything that I need here. You know, if anything, it's awesome to learn more about these kind of animals. And it's it's super cool to be able to take care of exotic pets in general. Like not everyone gets to say that, you know, they take care of a pig or, you know, they take care of turtles. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's really awesome to care for dog pets. Really one of the first ones that, that we did, um, actually the same owner of that Corgi named turtle. Uh, he was a herpetologist <laughs> at a local university and he bred ball pythons and hingeback tortoises. Ooh. And, and, <laughs> and when I say he bred, he like had like 25 ball pythons in different oh cages goodness. and his whole basement was basically like a hinged tortoise corral. It was so cool. But yeah, yeah th- that those feeding regimes, I remember just like reams and reams and reams of paper of this turtle is on this thing and you must feed yep. it this proportion of of uh, diet and these these additives and these ball pipe. You know, I was just like, okay, well, it, it took a, th- those were long visits. And, you know, I was like, this is not just a simple quote unquote drop in visit. This is almost an all day event. <laughs> Right. Cause you're not looking, you're looking to make sure everything's okay. And like, just, you have to kind of stay a while to make sure that the pet is indeed okay, as well as their typical routine. But I will say I do draw the line at snakes and like pet spiders. I cannot, <laughs> I cannot do it. I've tried and I've ended up having, this was when I was working for a pet setting company. I ended up having to call my boss and I was like, I'm sorry. Like I'm here. I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> so that's, yeah, with snakes and then like pet spiders, everything else is fair game. I've done like bearded dragons, lizards, like that's totally fine. But yeah, just snakes and spiders. <laughs> <laughs> that's a line for a lot of people. So that's understandable. Yeah, I'm not saying they're not cool animals because they definitely are, but just not for right. me. <laughs> <Just right. laughs> well, and part of that too is you get to choose your clients and who you want to take right. on and, and be, you know, be, be open with people as far as what care you're wanting to provide. And when you know, okay, that's, that's too much. Right. So through all of those, what's been your most, or who's been your most memorable client? So I don't know if I really have a memorable client, but I, this story is a way that I got a client in the most memorable way. Okay. Um, this actually happened somewhat recently. I was doing a daily morning walks for one of my clients. She has a, like an 80 pound German shepherd. And I was walking him in the morning down the street. And I happened to have a couple of clients on the street as well with, and I walk their dogs. Um, but I was, we were coming back from our long walk, you know, everything's fine. Then all of a sudden I hear this like jingling sound coming towards us. And I'm like, what is that? It's like, you know, six 30 in the morning. Like what is, what is going on? And shortly after I see one of the neighbor's small dogs has obviously gotten loose and is running towards us. And it's not a friendly running towards us. It's, 
he's snarling, he's foaming at the mouth, like even before he gets to us. So he, he was, he was ready. And he Mm. starts charging at my 80 pound German shepherd that I'm walking. Thankfully, my German shepherd was very calm for getting attacked by a small dog. I mean, this, this dog was like going after his legs, he was barking in his face. And as I'm trying to hold back this 80 pound German shepherd, luckily, I knew the dog that got loose. And I was able to kind of crouch down on the ground while I'm holding back my big dog <laughs> and talk to the small dog one-on-one and to get him to calm down, just like, was like, okay. Like I knew his name. So I was able to say, you know, it's all right. Like everything's going to be fine. And like, you mm. know, just like, it's, you know, just calm him down. And he was able to come over to me and start sniffing my hand. So I seized that opportunity to kind of slowly put my arm around him and scoop him up. So I'm coming down the street with holding an 80 pound German shepherd and this little small terrier and his owner is just like so grateful he's like oh my gosh I thought he was a goner and then he I guess they did hear the barking and they were really concerned needless to say that client is that now a client officially of mine and (laughs) um, a lot of neighbors decided to call me after that because they were like well you must be a dog whisperer but I think it was just the circumstances I was very lucky that I had a very well-behaved large dog and I knew I had already met the dog that was attacking him prior to this event so Definitely yeah. the most memorable way of getting a client. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I can't that that's like of the of the two way you know, most um or least desirable things to happen on a walk. One, the dog getting away, and two, being attacked by a leash a dog off leash. So that can't what an experience. <laughs> right. And a lot of people think that, you know, my first priority is to protect the dog that I'm walking. Yeah. But I've been in other fight situations before with dogs and I'm always, I've always had more success addressing the dog that's attacking my dog, like addressing that dog one-on-one, like instead of like putting my body in between them or, right. you know, yelling for help. I've always had a lot of success just like trying to communicate with the dog one-on-one, trying to calm that dog down, then we can proceed. Because right. sure. usually by that point, you know, the owner showed up or you know, someone's come out of their house, but yeah, that was definitely... Definitely an experience I wasn't expecting, especially that early in the morning. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. So do do you typically carry any sort of spray or deterrence on you during walks for those kind of scenarios? Yeah. So there is a spray. Um, I forget what it's called off the top of my head, but it kind of just makes like a really high pitched sound. A lot mm-hmm. of my clients have it for really barky dogs. I have a client that has um, three dachshunds and they bark a lot. And, um, they're like the, the house alarm, which I love when I'm staying there. It makes me feel super safe. Um, but sometimes when it gets out of hand, you just press this, uh, the spray and it just like, it lets out this really like rush of wind and a high pitched sound that kind of like, you know, kind of gets their attention and then they usually stop. So I do have that. Um, and then I try to carry my phone with me. Obviously I'm not looking at my phone when I'm on walks, but just having your phone on you all the time, like in a fanny pack or like in a pocket or something has been really helpful because if you're in an emergency situation and there's no one around you, like what I, like how I was in, like you need to have some kind of backup. Yeah. And, and at least doing some sort of planning and, and practice for those kind of scenarios, you never want to have to use that equipment or, or use those skills, but refreshing and going through your mind every now and then of going, what are the steps I'm going to take? Um, is, is there kind of, is there training or just a, is, through experience that you would recommend people to, to learn about that kind of thing? I mean, if there are training classes, I would definitely recommend that. But it's kind of like how your inclement weather policy is like how I kind of see it. You want to lay out what 
you would do in that kind of situation and like what's going to work and what's not going to work. Just having a plan going into it because you never know when it's going to happen. And you always think like, oh, it's not going to happen to me. Like we're fine. Like I'm a responsible dog walker, but it has nothing to do with you. You know, a dog can get loose. There can be just like a small accident and could be like potentially very dangerous. So just having a plan in place, kind of like I said, like with an inclement weather policy, having a plan in place so you know what you would potentially do in a situation like that. Well, on that, we're entering into hurricane season right now as we speak. So uh, how how have you developed your inclement weather policy? And is that something you regularly share with clients or what what does that look like for for you and the kind of services you provide? Absolutely. In my policy agreement, I actually have a whole section about inclement weather policy and what that looks like and the procedures that I follow and you know how I'm going to let the client know that if they're out of town. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if I was responsible, if I had a lot of pets and there was hurricane coming, you best believe I would be evacuating with all of those animals. Like, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> there's not one of my client's animals I would not take. So I would be loading up the car with everybody's animals. I was actually here when Hurricane Irma hit and I worked for, I was working for a pet sitting company when that happened. Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of calls just with people that were like, will you take my pet? Will you take my pet? Because a lot of people that were evacuating didn't find anywhere that was pet friendly out, outside of the state of Florida. So it's a potentially scary situation, but if you have a plan in place and you're very upfront, like at the meet and greet, we discuss this. So this is the this is my inclement weather plan. This is what I'm going to do. We're going to make sure we try and contact you, but this is what the plan's going to be. Having also an emergency contact that's not a sibling or like a spouse, like someone that they're not related to because they're most likely going to already be with them, having mm-hmm. their information as well. So maybe like they could take over if there's a problem. Uh, if I would ever actually stay here for a hurricane, that person also who lives close, that's an emergency contact would be good because they may be able to, they may be able to get to them quicker than I can. Cause usually after a hurricane, you can't drive anywhere and it'd be hard to get to any of my clients. So mm. having someone in place and designated someone that could take over the care of your pet after the hurricane too, is also really important. And as you mentioned, like that stuff, that's right up front that the owner mm-hmm. knows that the owner is also planning for, and you are asking for that information too, where your emergency contact and, and working through that together so that you can provide the best care you can in those scary situations. Yeah, it's very scary, but hopefully, you know, with enough preparedness and discussion with the client, it can be, you know, a little less scary. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah. And, and that part of that is just, just being prepared as much as you can mm-hmm. reviewing those procedures. And then if you need to do it, you already have it all in your head and you can just work through those systems that you have in place. Thinking a little bit more about kind of current stuff with COVID, since the bulk of your services are going into people's homes, how are you managing and what kind of guidelines or policies do you have in place for safety of yourself and the owners? Yeah. So I feel like I already take a lot of precautions even before COVID, just working in a veterinary hospital in different humane society. I know how easy it is to spread things around. Sure. Um, so I, you, I'm always cautious, obviously, but with COVID, I'm just adding all of these extra precautions, not only for the pets, but for myself and my clients. So obviously wearing masks, gloves, having hand sanitizers and sprays, disinfectants, and just being really mindful of what I'm touching and not having the animal that I'm taking care of coming in contact with other people or other pets. But I'm ultimately leaving it up to the owner as far as me coming into their home. So most of my clients have been fine with me entering their home. They know I'm doing everything that I can um, and they want my services. So I'm leaving it up to them. Ultimately for meet and greets, I'm offering what new clients call and they want to set something up. 
I am offering virtual meet and greets. So if they don't feel comfortable with me coming into their home, they can at least, you know, hop on here with me and they can kind of take me through their home with their computer and kind of show me what, where, you know, all the pet supplies are and I can still communicate with the pet. So I've done that. And then I've also kind of done mutual locations. So if there's like a, you know, like a park or something that's not crowded, I've met with people there, but I would say overall, everyone's been fine with me entering their home and maybe mm. confining me to a certain area, like just the entryway or like just the bedroom that the pet sleeps in or something like that. That's probably about it for like regulations for clients. Most of them have been pretty open and supportive and they kind of know that I'm doing everything that I can. Yeah. And part of that is because you've been communicating with them and they already know, you know, or have heard about the services and, and how you prepare for those too. Thinking through kind of how some of the, how 2020 has been so far and how we've had a really ups and downs, what keeps you going on some of these not so good days? So I always say, and I've heard this many times, you know, my worst day in pet sitting is still better than my best day in any other job. You know, <laughs> I, I love this job. It is extremely difficult, but this is one of the best career choices that I ever made. And Honestly, what keeps me going the most is my fur clients. I just think it's such a privilege knowing that I'm the only one that can care for them. And they're relying on me personally to care for them. Like it's such a great and incredibly fulfilling, you know, responsibility. And it makes me feel like I have a purpose. And Mm. just, I just love all of my fur clients so much, you know, it just, they really keep me going. Also, I have a lot of really great human clients as well. Um, you know, I think it's always great to have boundaries with your clients, but I do have a couple of clients that they're, they're like a second family to me. They're, I know they would do anything and everything for me. I would do the same thing for them. They want me just to kind of come over and just visit with them and, or like, they just want to take me out to dinner. Like they call me their second daughter. So like, I, I know, like I said, it's always great to have boundaries with your clients, but there's just a couple of clients that I have that they're honestly like second family to me. And I know that I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing today without that kind of support. Yeah, no, I mean, you really do get to know maybe not all of your clients like that. Mm -hmm. There's always a small handful or one or two that, gosh, you just really become a member of their family. And it's not something that you're like, I'm going to make them love me, or I'm going to do this kind of thing. I'm going to make it's it just it just happens, right? Because the kind of services that we're providing and taking care of their, their fur child, right? Like that's something that they really mean so much to them. And when you do an excellent job and when you provide excellent service, those kind of relationships just build naturally over time. Right. It's not something that you ever expect, but it just kind of happens over time. And just, I just can't imagine not having these, these clients, you know, if I ever get discouraged or, you know, I get a, like, you know, a nasty call or text from a client or like even like a new client that calls. Like, I just remember these clients. I'm just like, Mm. you know, this is what I'm doing. Like, I'm doing it well. Like, if I need any kind of reassurance, (laughs) I know I have these clients in the back of my mind that like, you know, I do know what I'm doing, but just their support just, you know, like solidifies the fact that I'm doing everything right. (laughs) (laughs) It really does. I mean, that, that I I can't express how how important that that is, is to take those moments and remember those kind of clients that have your back, those kind of clients that are rooting and cheering for you and want to see you succeed. Because on those bad days, when you do get that bad review or somebody doesn't like Uh something that happened, you that self doubt, as you said, that creeps in, you're like, I don't even know, like, what am I like, what am I doing? Like, is this is this what I should be doing is to know those people on, on the other side of that spectrum are like, 
go get them. You're awesome. Right. You rock. It's like, it really <laughs> does. It's like, okay, I've got cheerleaders in my corner. I can do this. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. How has the broader community of Naples come together or, or been during COVID? I would say just the community of Naples in general, and even the business community has been extremely close. I mean, we're all going through the same thing. Um, we're all experiencing the same thing. So if that means, you know, sharing another business's post, if that means promoting their product, if that means purchasing their product, you know, whatever we can do to support one another during this time, like we all are, are all of our same goal is to make sure that the Naples business is thriving. And, you know, pre COVID, I felt like it was booming more than ever. I mean, we have several breweries now, we have several coffee shops and just like pet friendly places, especially, which I love. Um, Mm. So we all have the same goal at the end of the day. Like it's not competition, you know, it's definitely community over competition. We all want to see each other thrive. We all love the Naples community. We love everyone that visits here, that lives here. So we all have the same goal at the end of the day. So we all want to see each other succeed. So I feel like we have really come together as a community, especially in the business community. That's, that's really great to hear. And, and to know that again, it's like, okay, I've got my clients that I've got my back. And then the community Mm -hmm. at large is also here for me. And, and it, it gives you, as you mentioned of like this kind of sense of, of, of purpose in this bigger, bigger place and everything going on. And that isn't, is really important because when you're in the grind of Okay, I've got these busy days. I'm getting up. I'm doing really early walks, and I'm not going to go to bed till really late at night. And and you can kind of lose sight of of that connection that you have with the community, and that there are people that are there supporting you. And and I do hope we remember that it six months from now, right? Like <laughs> as, as as everything right. comes <laughs> comes comes back. Yeah. Like I've said many times, I will never take a busy day for granted, no matter what. Because, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, you know, like just not from a financial st- standpoint, as far as the struggles with COVID, but just like in, from an emotional standpoint, you know, I feel like I finally found the job that I'm supposed to be doing, like what I was put on this earth to do. And when that's taken away from you, you kind of feel like your purpose has been taking, like taken away from you a little bit. So yeah. just like from an emotional standpoint, you know, we want to keep this going. So yeah, the definitely the community support has been great. I've had some great clients. They've you know, purchased gift cards through my pet sitting software. They've just like left me huge tips. Like they've, you know, just called mm. and like wanted services. And then just like, there's like, Oh, just keep, you know, like you left me too much money. Do you want me to put it on your account? And they're like, no, just keep it. Oh. And, you know, I even had one client that bought me a grocery gift card. She she was concerned. She knows that, you know, I, I'm on my own and she wanted to make sure I could afford groceries for a couple of weeks. So she's like, here's a grocery gift card. Like, that's just like, that's not something I ever expected or even really wanted, you know, just knowing that your clients don't see you as, you know, just someone providing a service They're They see you as like a human being and they want you to mm-hmm. be around. And like I said, that's kind of how I felt like with the business community in Naples, you know, people see us as actual people and they want us to stick around and they're willing to do anything that they can, even if they don't have any money, you know, just sharing a post or leaving a review. That's all, those are all free resources that you can do to help promote a business in your community. Yeah. And you said it there is, is you saw that your clients were seeing you as a human being, right? Not just somebody that was taking care of a dog. And, and when, when, when that hits home, that really just like, Ooh, you got to wipe some of those, uh, the dust out of your eyes, you know, for, for a minute too, yes. because you're like, I didn't know that you, you saw that, or I didn't know that you really, you know, you cared and it's, it has been very uplifting to see. So I'm, I'm that that's really heartwarming. Yeah, absolutely. Through all that, what advice would you give to other pet sitters who maybe are struggling to see a light at the end of this tunnel? Yeah, I would just say that you've survived all of the bad days before this. 
you know, this is a long time to kind of go through. And I know a lot of businesses are still not up and running yet. And my, my best advice is, you know, you've worked so hard to get to where you are and just to not give up. I know one of the best things that I've ever done is join a professional pet sitting group in my community. So we all have our own businesses and we all have similar policies and even pricing. And we kind of all do our own thing as far as pet care, but just, we meet quarterly and we just have discussions and, um, kind of like see what else is going on in the pet industry, you know, share client stories, um, and any, answer any kind of questions. So like, I would really, really encourage someone that's having a hard time to reach out to another, even just another business in your community, because they're, like I said, they're going through the same thing that you're going through. Mm -hmm. And our job can be super isolating and going through COVID where we're all quarantined. Now it's super isolating because you're not (laughs) even seeing your fur clients. Mm -hmm. I mean, not only not seeing a human being, but we're not even seeing our, you know, our pets that we take care of. So mm-hmm. I would really recommend getting involved with professional pet sitting group. Like I said, it's not competition, it's community. And not only are you gaining friends and gaining advice and sharing resources, but ultimately if these professional pet sitters happen to be booked or they need help with a client or they need to refer someone, they're going to talk to you first and they're right. not going to you know, recommend one of their friends, they're going to say, Hey, like Heidi, are you available on this day? I have this really great client. Would you mind contacting them? You know, we can share referrals. So like I said, it's not competition. There's plenty of services to go around for everybody. So not only are you getting that support that you need, but you're also getting potentially more clients as well. And and they just, they just go hand in hand, right? Again, you're showing up not in expectation that they are going to start referring tons of clients to you. It's you're showing up to be part of that community, to invest and share your knowledge and share your struggles and to, to help each other. And then that other stuff kind of comes on the back end as things right. happen. And you find yourself going, I'm booked here, clients go to these people. And because we want to be able to refer people to someone that we know and trust if we're booked, right? Because that that's can be because we hate saying no. I know I do. I was just going right? to say that. <laughs> yeah. um, that has probably been another huge struggle is, you know, saying no, especially to are like really amazing clients. And we're like, Oh no, like I'm only one person. I don't have any, you know, anybody working for me. I'm, and I'm already booked for overnights already. Like, what am I going to do? So yeah. it's nice to refer them to someone that I know personally and that I trust. Like I, tr- I would trust any one of these people with my own pet. So I feel comfortable recommending them to, like you said, to like really close clients that when you get in a bind, you need someone to refer them to. Yeah. And it's just that that mental burden starts being lessened and you don't have to, that that worry starts to go away and you don't feel like you're caught up in this, I have to say yes all the time trap. And right. you, you accelerate your approach to burnout. You, you're able to pump the brakes on that and, and live a little less cluttered, uh, at least mentally for a while. Right. You mentioned kind of a, an, an air horn or a thin thing to get the dog's attention while you're on a walk. Mm-hmm. What are some of your other favorite resources or tools that you use and you'd recommend to others? Well, how much time do you have, Colin? <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of resources. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this too um, for our listeners that I'll have links to these in the show notes. So you can go and check those out uh, in the show notes or on the website. Lay, lay them on us. Yeah. See, I love resources. The reason why I'm part of the reason why I'm so successful in my business is because of all of these resources that I take advantage of. So I have a pet sitting software that I've had for almost a year now, and it's called Time to Pet. 
It has absolutely just been a lifesaver in my business. You know, before I was just, I was literally carrying around client paperwork in my car with all the information about like their home and their pet every day. Like, and I would have to organize it per day, you know, per client. So Mm -hmm. this just completely puts everything in one place as far as, you know, pet information, client information. If your clients decide to use it, they can activate their portal and they can change their information. They can request services from you. So you're not constantly on your phone and getting, you know, client requests and client calls. They can just submit a request. You can review review it and accept it or not. I also love it because when you, you can put all of your schedule in and then it automatically generates invoices to your clients that you can then send off and you can they can actually pay on the portal. Um, so it's, it's just a great thing in one place. And like I said, clients can use it too. And my, personally, my clients love it. They love being able to kind of take over their, you know, their own information and, you know, communicate with me through the portal and you can send updates through there. It's just, it's mm-hmm. a great resource and it's completely changed and saved me so much time. And it's completely changed the way I'm able to do my business as well. That sort of saving time and keeping you more organized, like as a business, you can't ask for for any better than that. Right. So, and especially, especially down here, we have a lot of gated communities. So there's a lot of codes that I have to know, not only to like get in their house, but like to get through the gate. And there's nothing worse when you're trying to drive and get through a gate and you're like caging through all these cages, like, Oh, what's the gate code? What's the gate code? And all you have to do is just pull up your time to pet app and go to their client information and it's right there. So that's been super helpful as well. Another one I really love is an app called Mileage IQ. So I don't know about everybody else, but keeping track of my mileage was one of my biggest challenges when I started. I mean, there's nothing you want to do less than when you come home from a super busy day and then add up all your mileage. Um, so <laughs> especially when you start getting busy and you have multiple visits a day, it's so hard to keep track of all of that. And then ultimately you lose in the end because that's less mileage that you get to claim at the end of the year. Mm. So what mileage IQ does is it can sense when you're in a traveling in a car and then you can identify those, bus- those drives as business or personal. And then after a while, if it, kind of senses that you're taking the same drive, it can, it'll automatically classify that as a business drive. So you don't even have to do anything. And then at the end of the month, it sends you a mileage report. So it just lays it out for you, says you've driven X amount of mileage this month that you can, you know, put in your spreadsheet or whatever, and just add it up at the end of the year and it's done. So it's just nice to know that, you know, something else is keeping track of the mileage, except instead of my like non-math brain. So (laughs) um, that's been super helpful. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just that with, with the time to pet and mile IQ, what would, which what I'm seeing here is this, so many things are being automated and offloaded from you having to take care of it. And that's what really helps you grow and scale and be more efficient as a business owner. Right. And that's time that you're saving that you could be at another visit or, you know, communicating with other clients. So, you know, it's a great time saver and it's just a great resource that and something that kind of t- takes the burden off your shoulders as well. So another thing I really, really love is I love monthly spreadsheets. I personally have five spreadsheets that I update at the end of each month. One is a spending business plan. So what I do is I estimate all of my expenses that are coming up for the next month and kind of break that down and see how much it's going to cost. So I kind of know how much money I need to make each month. I also have a spreadsheet for my, all of my expenses. So it's all in one place for the month and total those up. 
I also have a revenue comparison. So I keep track each month of how much I've made compared to other years. So I can kind of gauge how my business is growing or if it's not growing. And then my favorite ones are tracking my revenue and marketing streams. So as far as the revenue streams, you're listing all of the services that you offer and how much money you've made that month per service. So you can kind of see if you're looking at maybe adding a service or maybe taking a service away, it kind of gives you a good idea of, hey, this service isn't really making me a lot of money. Like it doesn't seem to be working. Maybe I should get rid of it or offer something else. So I really love that one. And then my marketing streams is I keep track of all the different marketing tools that I use. So, you know, social media or Google or client referrals or, you know, any kind of listing that you're on. Anytime someone calls me or reaches out to me, even if they don't book with me, I'm keeping track of how they found me. So I can see what kind of marketing strategies are working um, and which ones aren't. So I love doing that (laughs) at the end of each month. Um, And it it makes you feel a lot more confident about where you are in your business. Like you really know what's going on in your business when you're Mm -hmm. doing these spreadsheets. Like it may be time consuming at the end of the month, but you know, you're, you know, everything about your business, you know, what's working, you know, you know, what's not, you know, what your money's going towards and everything like that. So that when you need to make a pivot or when you need to mm-hmm. make those hard decisions, you can look back and go, okay, I know this is working out. Uh, one of the things, you know, the, the marketing streams that was been huge. I know for Megan and I of just a simple question of how'd you find us? You know, right. where, where'd you hear? And, and if it's a referral, if you start knowing you get a lot of referrals, it's a, okay, like how do I incentivize more referrals or how do I track those mm-hmm. a little bit better? And you can just start, you know, ticking away at these thoughts and ideas that you have. But you, if, if you don't have that, you don't even know where to start sometimes. Exactly. So I also read a lot. I'm constantly reading either a book about business or animal behavior or dog walking, you know, any kind of book that I can just gain more knowledge and you know, feel a lot more confident, I, like, you know, where I'm at in the business. One of my favorite business books that I've read recently, it's called Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. So it's all about allocating your income into different accounts and then taking a profit first. So you're giving yourself the profit first instead of paying all of your expenses and then kind of taking what's left. And sometimes there's nothing left. Um, So Mm. it's all about taking a profit for yourself first by allocating all of your income into different accounts each month. Also, I am in love with Kristen Morrison. Um, Pretty much everything that I know about this business is because of Kristen Morrison. She has so many books and I believe she's working on another one right now. Um, She has books about hiring, about setting up your business, how to grow your business. I know she has, you know, social media pages and different workshops and classes that you can take with her. And she's a business coach as well. So she's just an amazing person who's from the pet industry and has been super successful in what she does. And she just has a great way of personalizing it with you. So, you know, she doesn't think that the way she did things is necessarily going to work for everybody. I feel like she really takes the time to get to know you as a person and, you know, about and you know the different things when it comes to your business, so like where you're located, what services you offer, where you see your business going. And she kind of takes that in consideration when giving advice. So I really like that about her as well. Yeah. And she has, I, when you talk about a ton of resources, I think if there's any, any, almost any conceivable thing you can think about for pet sitting and a pet sitting business, she's probably written about it, developed a, a form or a PDF that she, that she has available for it. Yeah. I tell her, I say like, he, she's like the Steve Jobs of the pet <laughs> industry. I, I just have so much respect for her and, you know, everyone I feel like should strive to have a, you know, a six figure pet setting business like she did. Yeah. So yeah, love her. 
So um, I also am part of an organization that is a large, uh, it's a large community of pet sitters that are professionals um, and it has a lot of educational resources. It's called Pet Sitter International. And it actually kind of set me up for my business insurance and bonding as well. They offer discounts if you're a member with them. So that was kind of really helpful. It was kind of like a one-stop shop when I was first starting and was kind of overwhelmed with insurance and bonding and all of that, all of those things that I was like, oh, I don't know anything about that. So it was kind of nice to not only get all of these resources as far as starting your pet sitting company or pet behavior, but just knowing that they also knew a lot about insurance and bonding and, you know, they have a company all set up for you there as well. Um, they also have free webinars. I've actually been listening to a lot of them during quarantine. So, and it, it like I said, it's just a huge educational resource for professional pet sitters and they have something for everybody and you know, with where you are in your business or what kind of animals you care for, there's something there for everybody that you can learn. They're not necessarily maybe continuing education or just informational webinars that they've been putting out. Like that is, that just keeps you learning, keeps you thinking, keeps you in the game of knowing, because you, know, you don't know what you don't know. So just right. kind of learn it, try to learn as much as you can. Right. And I feel like in this industry, you have to be on top of that. You have to be on top of what, you know, what's the next thing you know, what's, what's popular in the pet industry right now? You know, what are clients wanting? You know, you kind of have to stay on top of all of those things and keep learning like on a continual basis. And I feel like Pet Sitters International is really good at kind of doing that for everybody. And then one of my last, I don't know if it's a resource or just advice is to get a good accountant <laughs> that has literally been like, I thought time to pet was a, you know, a lifesaver. This has literally been a lifesaver. So getting a good accountant that specializes in small businesses specifically it's going to save you so much time, so much frustration. And, you know, ultimately you can contact them throughout the year. You know, they have, they're in your corner. They want you to succeed as well. So, you know, they're not just charging you this money, to, you know, to do your taxes. Like they really want you to see you succeed. They can pretty much be like a business coach for you and kind of can kind of tell you where you're at and what your profit is and everything. Mm -hmm. So just getting a good accountant that can kind of take care of all of those kind of hard things for you um, is really helpful as well. Yeah, and the key there specializes in small businesses because mm -hmm. that it actually makes a huge difference it does. as to how they approach your books and how they approach what you're going to pay and what you're not going to pay. And if they don't know how to handle how you're structured, you, you're going to suffer in the long run or the or the Absolutely. immediate run, depending on when taxes right. are due. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I love every single one of those, and like I said, I'm gonna <laughs> I, just because it's it's a it's a whole package as far as yeah. how how best you know tools to run my business and make me more efficient and best use of my time in setting myself up to succeed. And the fact that you know it's not some of you know so just spreadsheets. What are you tracking? How are you thinking about this? How are you approaching this? And then what team are you surrounding yourself with? As far as coaches or or even uh, accountants to, to help you mm -hmm. in the long in in the long run, right? Yeah, it's been. I could probably honestly add a lot more, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I just you know I I just really think it's important to especially with someone like me that doesn't have a lot of business experience coming into this. You know you know I'm not gonna just say oh I don't have any business experience so you know whatever I'm just gonna wing this. Like no, you want to educate yourself right. because just as it's important as to know how to care for animals and how to care for people's homes, it's also important to know how you're going to run your business in order to be successful as well. Well, and that's where I would say the vast majority of us are coming from of mm -hmm. no business background. And maybe we want to start, we're interested in starting. And so we start doing a few things. And instead of trying to fumble around and figure out, you know, you know, 10 years later that there was a mistake, set yourself up for success right from the beginning and get these processes, get these things in place now. 
and you'll be yes. better for it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Heidi, I am so thankful and so happy that you came on today and have shared your passion, you know, some of your struggles with COVID-19 and then these wonderful resources for our listeners. And so again, I want to, want to thank you. And if people have questions, want to get in touch with you and, and ch check in on all that you're doing, how can they do that? Absolutely. I would be happy to answer anyone's questions or to reach out to me. Um, my website is hnhpetservices.com. You can also shoot me an email at Heidi at hnhpetservices.com. I also have a Facebook page, which is Heidi and Hope Pet Services. And my Instagram is also Heidi and Hope Pet Services. Wonderful. Again, thank you so much for coming on today, Heidi. Thank you so much, Colin. And I just want to say that I just really appreciate all the work that you and Megan do. I mean, this is not only are you providing us with great resources as well and advice, but you're really, I feel like you're friends, like you're, you're part of like this pet sitting community. And I feel like super close to you guys and that you're in our corner and that this is a safe place for everybody. And I just really appreciate all that you and Megan. Uh, that means that really means a lot. And I thank you so much. No that, problem. That my two big takeaways from my discussion with Heidi were, one, being prepared for emergencies. Now, not all of us are caring for exotic pets in Florida, but there are things around us every single day that we can plan for and communicate that with our clients. I really appreciated the fact that Heidi was communicating with them and having them have plans on their own that she would know of as well. Emergency contacts emergency people to come pick them up if they're out of state. Those kind of things have to be communicated beforehand. So whether it's tornadoes, inclement weather in general, earthquakes, fires, you name it, there are things that we can and should be preparing for every single day. And number two, her advice for pet sitters who are struggling. I'm not going to try and reword it or add my own two cents because I can't say it any better. But all I can say is, you're still here and you have a community around you, whether you know it or not, that are cheering you on. And I want you to know that Megan and I are here cheering for you too. And we love seeing the increasing number of photos that everybody's posting. And if you are still struggling, please reach out to somebody, uh, Megan and I included. You've got our phone number, 636-364-8260. Give us a call. Let us know how you're doing. We'd love to catch up and, and get to know you. Email us at feedback at petsitterconfessional.com or get in touch with us on any of the social media platforms. We're there. We want to hear from you. Join our Facebook group, Sitter Confessionals, and, and start getting connected with other sitters. As Heidi mentioned, getting connected with a professional pet sitting group in your area is one of the best things you can do. If you don't have that, reach out to a group online. All sorts of people that are willing to help and lend an ear and help support you as you go through your business journey. We'll be back next week. Have a wonderful weekend.